Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Welcome in. It's episode 29 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. There is no series to recap, but we are giving you an extra podcast because we care so much about the content we put out. I'm Tyler Remdrick. He's Cam Lewis. Coomzy, how'd you enjoy uh, All-Star Break? All-Star Break is fun. It's a good time. I know a lot of people, a lot of people will complain about it and be like, this is boring. None of the players care, but it's interesting. It's exciting. And the Jays this year, this was one of the most interesting and exciting Blue Jays related All-Star yeah. games We've ever, seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Vladdy hits his dinger. It went 900,000 feet. He won MVP. Teoscar hit a double. Marcus Semyon drove in a run. It looked like they were having a blast. Like that was great. It was a cool thing to watch. It really put, it put the Jays on the map. It was, it was quite nice. The J the Blue Jays players in a way, almost like won that game for the American yes. league. And I mean, obviously it was the Jays through. versus the national league is what it yeah. was. Um, obviously with, uh, with Vladdy winning MVP, he's the youngest, I believe to ever win MVP or youngest since Johnny bench to win MVP at an all-star game. Um, and is he the first blue Jay ever? He was the first blue Jay ever as well to win MVP at an all-star game. I think so. I that, 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 yeah. that sounds right. Yeah. That does You'd sound think right. we'd get our facts right. Since we have like two things to talk <laughs> yeah, about we, on this we episode. We just sat here and planned what we we're going to talk about for like 20 minutes. And then we came in <laughs> three minutes into the thing. And we're already just like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. None of this is real. I don't know what's going on. But it was cool. Like, obviously, the All-Star game, I'm personally a fan of it not meaning anything. I think back when it determined home field advantage in the World Series, I always personally thought that was kind of dumb. And All-Star games are meant, one, for the fans who are in that city. It's a great time. For corporate sponsors, it's a great time. And it's nice to just kind of sit back and enjoy it and kind of not care about something and just enjoy the sport for what it is. And like Vladdy's home run was awesome, but it was also cool because Fernando Tatis was mic'd up while he just absolutely mashed it. Joe Buck's call was super cool and like had some emotion in it. Those moments where you see like these superstar players interacting with each other, especially during the home run derby. That's like, I don't know. That's nice for me. It's a nice little breath of fresh air in the middle of like a stressful season. It is. It's very calming. It's very soothing. Also, you mentioned the Joe Buck call. He made a noise. Oh, yeah. When Vladdy hit that home run that I've never heard anyone make. And it was, it was really something. I don't know if you can like splice it in or whatever, but he was like, ooh. I think I can, I think I can pull it up uh, right here. <laughs> the ball went into space. But then, yeah, you had like Tatis, you know, yelling at him as he rounded the bases and, uh, and all that shit as well. Do I have the Vladdy home run call? 
Oh, fuck. You'd think again I, I would have saved it, but <laughs> no, here we go. Happy. It's a good noise. I respect it. I quite like Joe Buck, to be honest with you. I don't know why I get so much shit. I think his calls are great. I, I, I like- I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I really like Joe Buck, and he's, he's a play-by-play guy who has, like, range, man. He can do football. He can do baseball. He goes across, like, multiple sports. Dude can fuck around at the Olympics. Like, I like Joe Buck. He gets a bad think, rap. I don't get it. He does. Yeah. I don't think he's as good as Matt Baskerian personally, but I no. don't know. Maybe I, I think I might have a soft spot for Matt Baskerian just because every time I hear him on TV, I feel like I'm playing, like I'm a 13 year old version of myself playing the show on PSP. Yeah. And it just, it just brings me back. But that's my number one. Matt Baskerian my guy, but I, I quite like Joe Buck. I don't know why I get so much shit. I feel like I'm present day Tyler Rumchuk playing the show on my couch. Uh, All right. Uh, We're going to keep moving on here. We're going to be joined by a guest in a few minutes, Jordan Horbin from MLB.com. He's a beat reporter who covers pretty much anything they tell him to cover. He goes all around the majors. (laughs) We're going to talk to him about the American League playoff race, uh, the MVP race in the American League, and talk a little trade deadline with Jordan as well. But Coombsy, before we get to that, I wanted to throw a couple questions at you looking at the American league, which team do you think right now, which team's fan base should be the most disappointed with their team's first half of the season? Um, I think that's gotta be a toss up between there. I think there's, there's three, there's one for each division. The Yankees fans deserve to be very upset. They have a huge payroll. Yankees fans have expectations every single year. And the team is absolutely putrid. Yeah, they should be. They were expecting to be eight games Mm -hmm. up in the American League East race, not eight games back. Like they you could legitimately make a case that there's like a 16 game swing based on what their expectations were and what's happened. Yeah, they should be where the Red Sox are and the Red Sox should, you know, feasibly be where they are. And then in the central, you obviously have the twins. You know, the twins were good last year and they wound up again getting swept in the playoffs by the Yankees as they do every single year. They haven't won a playoff game since, I don't know, like 1991 or something. And it's just, it's kind of sad what's happened to them. I mean, not really sad. Like I don't give a shit about the twins at all, but like you feel kind of bad for Minnesota sports fans. It's, it's depressing. It's a depressing sports city. I'm a Vikings fan. So I get it. Um, And then in the West, it's obviously the angels who, you know, Otani's doing what he's doing. And yet again, team's just irrelevant. Like, could you imagine cheering for a team? I know Mike Trout's been injured, but could you imagine cheering for a team with Otani and Mike Trout and having them be that bad? They're like the Edmonton Oilers of major league baseball. That's a that's a hell of a comparison, but it's not that far off. Like at least when they're bad, they still get to you know watch entertaining players and all that. So you know there's at least something. Uh, they're only a game back of the Blue Jays. They're five and a half back of the second wild card spot, and th- and that is going to be a hell of a race. But I think you kind of nailed it there. The Angels, the Twins, and the Yankees are probably the th- the team in each division that's most disappointed with how this season's gone. We'll flip the question now. Who's been the biggest surprise for you in the American League? For me, despite their minus 50 run differential, the Seattle Mariners kind of being where they are right now. Like, I have a feeling they'll fall off, but I know the Red Sox have been stunning because we thought they were just going to be an absolute joke. But if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, like Red Sox leading the American League East and the Mariners only being like three games back of a wildcard spot at the All-Star break, I those probably would have shocked me the same amount. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, the Red Sox are a weird one because I think we all expect them to be pretty ho-hum. Yeah. But 
they're the Red Sox. Like every once in a while, like think back to 2013, right? They won the World Series with the most random collection of players ever. Mm-hmm. And they, this is just something they do. And it's like, you know, they got Alex Korobak as their manager. You know, he's going to figure out some different way for them to cheat. And that's probably what he's done. And that's what's going on. And that's why they're inexplicably good. And it's not at all shocking to see the Red Sox be inexplicably good because nobody else does this more often than the fucking Red Sox. But Seattle being anywhere near a playoff race, despite being as dog shit as they are, they have like a minus 700 run differential. And here they are with a 48 and 43 record is insane as nuts. I would imagine they implode in the second half. It just would make sense. But especially if they, you know, look at their roster and they're like, okay, like this is a mirage. We definitely should sell ahead of the trade deadline. And that's going to be the interesting part, right? Like there's a reason you play 162 because we're only halfway right now. And it's, it's very easy to have the good, if you're the Red Sox or the Mariners, to, it's very easy to have the good things you did in the first half of the season be sort of ripped away from you, right? Like one bad week, one bad 10 day stretch where you get some bad bounces and all of a sudden you're out of this thing. And the tough part for teams on the other side of that who are, you know, the Blue Jays and the Yankees who are trying to crawl back into this thing, the Angels included in that conversation is that 10 good days usually isn't even quite enough to get you back into that race yet, right? And it's funny how that kind of works. If, you know, you go two and eight over a stretch, you can probably kiss your playoff chances goodbye. If you go eight and two, you're going to be like, you know, right where you are. Maybe you gain two games in the playoff race or whatever. Like, it's going to be just an absolute sprint to the finish for kind of all six of those teams that are competing for that last wildcard spot. Yeah, there's, especially from the Jays' perspective, there is a ton of ground to make up and i mean eight games back at boston at this point like it's doable like i think this is roughly where they were in 2015 they were mm-hmm. probably you know six seven eight ish games back at the at the at the break they were right around 500 and they were you know the run differential was fantastic and then you know the team was obviously way better than they were showing yeah. but yeah it's going to take that kind of august september 2015 hot streak for the jays to win the division i think to be totally honest with you we're probably yeah. looking more at the wild card at this stage probably because if the Red Sox haven't fallen off a cliff yet, they probably just won't. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, all there right, we we're gonna get we're gonna get to our guest here, but first, some love to our friends at Twig and Berries. They have something on their website, twigandberries.ca, that can cover every single part of your body. Free shipping on orders over seventy five dollars within Canada. That promo code Nation fifteen gets you fifteen percent off. All right, we are back on episode 29 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, and we've got a special guest joining us this week on the pod, Jordan Horbin from MLB.com. And if you follow this guy on Twitter, one week he'll be covering the Texas Rangers, and the next week he'll be covering the Toronto Blue Jays. Jordan, appreciate you giving us some time. I just want to know, like, what your day-to-day is like. Like, do you get, like, an email in the morning being like, hey, you're on Mets duty for the next four days, and you're just like, all right, I guess I'm watching the Mets for the next 72 hours. Yeah, thanks a lot uh, for having me, guys. And it's not quite that uh, fast and loose. We do get a schedule pretty well in advance. Basically, my role this season with MLB is just to be a backup reporter when other reporters have vacation or need time off for any particular reason. And so, yeah, that requires a lot of jumping around. So a lot of my work has been AL East coverage, um, including the Blue Jays, of course. But I have done some fill-in work on some other teams around the league and I know ahead of time that that's going to happen and I just have to do a bit of a crash course on, all right, what the hell are the Mets up to these days <laughs> or the Mariners for one day, which was a weird one because it was a West coast start, whatever it may be. Um, there's some, there's some things like that, but it allows me to just pay a little more attention to what's going around on league, uh, league wide. And yeah, it's pretty good. 
which team has maybe like surprised you and how much fun they were to like watch and cover and really pay attention to for a few hours? You know, I don't know if this is too much of a surprise. I think basically just looking at them going into the season, I wasn't sure what to expect from the Red Sox uh, because I think if you looked at a lot of the projections on fan graphs and baseball perspe- uh, prospectus and sites like that, they weren't in the best spot. They were sort of a middling team and here they are doing really well leading the AL East. And I think the offense we maybe could have guessed was there it was the pitching that was more of the of the question mark. And the pitching has been good enough, I guess, to let guys like Rafi Devers and Xander Bogarts, JD Martinez, just kind of rake and win a lot of games for them. So that's a fun offense and a fun team to watch just because sort of like the blue Jays, like they're, they're pretty loaded in that, in that uh, one through nine lineup. So that's been one of my favorites. Uh, I do enjoy, it's been brief covering the, the Mets and the Yankees, but the time that I've been able to sort of step into the New York media world, you get there, there just seems to always be something going on. I mean, the Mets, the Mets, we've known this for years that they're just a team that, that seems to have all sorts of extracurriculars going on at all times. The Yankees this year as a team that has surprisingly been not very good. They're only a few yeah. games over 500 right now. That's a group that uh, the expectations are always astronomical. And so as a team that leads the majors, I believe in outs on the bases, that's just viewed as a very simple thing that a upstanding brand like the New York Yankees should, you know, not be, not be stooping to. So those sorts of things are entertaining as well, but it's all, it's all part of it. Uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll get back to the Red Sox and the Yankees in a second here, but we want to go through the two other divisions that, you know, maybe our listeners and Coom and I maybe don't pay too much attention to, but we'll start with the AL central. It's not surprising to see the white Sox leading this thing. That was kind of expected. Cleveland is, you know, somewhat in the wild card hunt. That's not surprising. The twins being as bad as they are is what's really surprising for me in this division. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, we're talking about a team that won the division the past two years and, Unlike the Indians who, you know, got rid of Lindor and and moved some other pieces, this is a Twins team that didn't make any sort of moves that would suggest, hey, we're going to take our foot off the gas here and going to try to not win the division. I think they had the expectation going into the year that it was probably going to be them and the White Sox. I certainly believe that. And, I mean, there's still enough season that maybe that could happen, but it looks a lot more like they're just going to be sellers now at the deadline. And so they will sort of continue to be the lower part of that division. And yeah, I mean, if I was, a, I have one of my buddies from school is a big twins fan and he's very disappointed with how this is going for them. But at this point, I don't, I don't know what to say other than they just, you know, they're, they're not hitting um, consistently enough. And I don't think they're, they're pitching is deep enough. I mean, those are sort of obvious things for teams that aren't, that aren't doing that well, but for the twins, yeah, this was, this was unforeseen. And they're, if they want to be sellers, they've got a couple pretty, interesting pieces in that team. So then we have the West and I'm kind of shocked that the Astros are as good as they are. I, I, I think a lot of people, and maybe this is a Toronto bias. Maybe, maybe this is just me being a Jays fan, but I thought, okay, so the Astros lost George Springer in free agency signed with the Jays as we know. And here they are putting up a, they're 55 and 36 and they're three and a half up on Oakland, another very good team. And it kind of looks like, the the Astros could run away with the West like that that's kind of a shock right did, did did we expect them to be this good this year you know I th- I think they were always going to be at least competing for a playoff spot but I I think a lot of people were ready to crown the A's in this division and maybe there's some hopefuls out there that thought 
the angels would finally do something, but ah. you know, that's not, that's not really ever how that works. So <laughs> I, I think with the, with the Astros, it's, it's a matter of, yes, George Springer is gone, but if you look at who's still there, you know, uh, Jose Altuve has been trash cans or not. He's, he's been a productive <laughs> guy for a lot of years and Carlos Correa, same thing. Carlos Correa has just been on fire, I think since probably the beginning of June and has been one of baseball's most you know fearsome hitters in that time. And yeah, Brantley is a guy who I think quietly has just been productive for a really long time, but it's, he's not someone that you talk about as much because he doesn't have big power numbers by any means. He's very much a contact guy and it's a team that has the experience, right? That's something that is, it's difficult for us to quantify necessarily of how much that really matters, but we can at least look at them and say, if, if they maybe are going through some struggles or if they feel like from the outside, they're being doubted or anything like that, they're a group that a lot of them has gone on many deep playoff runs by this point. They, they kind of know how to do it together. And I think there's some value in that. I don't know how much, but some value in that at least. So you also mentioned the angels being inevitably bad. It's just a reality of the Los Angeles angels. Is there any chance? So Mike Trout's been out for a good chunk of the season. Otani has been insane. You might get Mike Trout back in the second half. And is there any chance this team could go on a run or is their pitching just so wildly bad that it's impossible? Yeah. Shout out Jared Walsh too. That guy's been, yeah. really good. True, true. And I, I think a lot of people wouldn't have even known that was when the no. season started, maybe still don't um, because, you know, <laughs> West coast team and whatnot. But um, no, I don't think, I really don't think they can honestly. Like I, I would, I, I don't root for teams because that's just not my place, but I think it's fair to say baseball would be in a great place. If Otani and Trout were in the postseason. that's yeah. very obvious. 100%. But I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just not seeing it. I don't know if you guys noticed uh, with the Angels in this MLB draft this year, all of their selections were pitchers, which <laughs> I, I don't think that's ever happened before. And obviously that doesn't, it's not like an NHL draft or NBA or something where these guys are going to be on the team next year. But I think that's just a very obvious statement from the execs to say, hey, this is our, this is our clear area of need. And we're just going to throw a bunch of darts at the board and see if we can hit on one of them. So, yeah, I think they're in a, a bit of a tough spot right now still. Baseball really needs a wild card game that Shohei Otani is the starting pitcher and, like, batting third or whatever. <laughs> like, it, it was so much fun to watch it at the at the All-Star game when he's starting and playing a big role in the lineup as well. But, like, if you had that in, like, a really meaningful wild card game, it would be unreal. Uh, let's circle back to the AL East here. We talked about the Red Sox a little bit. Cam and I are running joke on the pod is that they're just absolute frauds and the Red Sox are going to fall off at some point. It's something we need to tell ourselves as Blue Jays fans. Do you think there's a chance the Red Sox fall off or is this team showing you enough in the first half for you to go, yeah, they're, they're probably going to win the American League East? I think they could fall off to the point where they don't win a division, but I think it would be an exceptional uh, decline for them to miss the playoffs at this point. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think they're starting pitching has the at least potential to be fraudulent. So like I can get on board with that because I don't see a lot of horses in that, in that group. Yeah. Basically their, their sort of motto to this point in the season is just push for five innings from their starters. And then we'll let the bullpen kind of ride from there. And we've got an offense that is better than most offenses. So a lot of nights we're just going to kind of outscore people. And for the most part, that's been good, but the, you know, when they do start to get to a point where the starters are 
just scraping to five innings as opposed to getting through six and seven. Like that puts more of a stress on the bullpen. These are sorts of things that over the course of 162 games versus a 60 game season are going to take more of a toll. So yeah, I, I definitely think that, I mean, if I had to pick today, I wouldn't have them picked as the team that's going to win this division. I think, well, geez, I don't know if I even want to say the Rays though, because I think they would need to do something in their, in their starting rotation at the deadline. Yeah. You may want to thank them. So actually, I don't know, maybe I would still say the Red Sox, but I think it'll be tight. And I definitely see a path where they fall off because I, I don't know that the starting pitching is that strong for them. So sticking with the AL, you mentioned kind of a little bit in passing the Yankees. You've, you've enjoyed covering them because the drama, it's funny. It's been, it's been a, from our perspective, at least a Toronto perspective, it's been a hilarious year to watch the Yankees. They've been a mess. Like, I don't think anybody really saw this coming. Like this is one of the bigger surprises in major league baseball, the Yankees being as mediocre as they are. I mean, no one's really hitting on this team outside of Aaron judge. The pitching has been kind of the thing that's kind of kept them alive. But now with the sticky stuff, uh, Garrett Cole's struggling a bit or rolled as Chapman's kind of fallen off a cliff. What is it that's happening with this Yankees team? Why are they so underwhelming? They're just so far from your standard terrifying Yankees team. Like I've, I don't think I've seen a Yankees team as mediocre as this in my life. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a map. It's a combination of not enough depth at either the, you know, either in the lineup or in the rotation and with the Garrett Cole sticky stuff thing. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he's going to be fine. I don't, yeah. I don't think, you know, the, the first few starts afterwards, like it's very easy to put a magnifying glass on that, but after his most recent start, which I think was a complete game against Houston, I'm pretty sure Aaron too. That after, sorry, it was a beautiful start too. Like yeah. he was just dicing them up. Yeah. And, and throwing 99, you know, yeah. in his 120th pitch, I believe. But I think after that game, Aaron Boone had mentioned that Cole had been really sick the previous start and needed like an IV and something they weren't sure if he was going to start. So I think he's going to be okay. Maybe, you know, the sticky stuff you can look at, obviously his spin rates are not the same as they were, yeah. but I think he's probably still just a great pitcher that can throw 99, you know, um, they don't have a lot other than that though, in that rotation, they don't have really much depth there. And I think that's an issue that maybe they figured they could just sort of piece together with Herman and Kluber and guys that are not, I mean, Kluber's done for the year, but other guys that are just not really doing what they were hoping. And then in the, in the lineup, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a lineup that's very right-handed and very not fast. And so, that can put you at some disadvantages when you have teams that play certain matchups to your, to your group and you're not creating runs for yourselves on the bases. You're doing the opposite in most circumstances. And so when you're not having a lineup of, of bombers of guys that are hitting it out the way that Aaron judges and stand to some extent, then that makes it challenging. So I, I think they just, they don't have the depth that we're kind of just used to the Yankees having because usually, usually they just buy the depth. And so we kind of take that for granted, but I don't, I don't think they've done that to the extent that, they would have thought coming into the year. Now for a second, let's forget that you're on a blue Jays podcast for this next question. But if you had to pick one of the Yankees or Jays to make a push and steal a wild card spot here, which one would you choose? Hmm. I will say, no, I'll say, I'll say the blue Jays. Let's there we go. That's fine. I'll still say the blue Jays because <laughs> I think making one or two deadline moves can impact the Blue Jays to a greater extent than it would for the Yankees. And so I think if the Blue Jays, you know, make effective use of the deadline, then 
I think that would put them in the spot to, you know, go up against the Rays or somebody in a, in a one game, you know, fingers crossed situation. So let's, uh, you made a good tie in there. Let's talk a little trade deadline here. Uh, the Jays, you know, probably need one more big bullpen arm. There's talk about them adding a bat. If, if you were in the GM chair in Toronto, what, what pieces should they be targeting? And are, are there any names out there that you look at and go, damn, they'd be a perfect fit for Toronto. Okay. I was ready for this one. So I actually have to turn this back on you guys really quickly. Quick trivia question. Which of these between the, the relief core and the rotation, which one has a better rank in major league baseball by ERA? It's probably going to be the bullpen. Cause they got because they such had a good start, such, right? Such a good April. Okay. Cam says bullpen. Tyler, are you with him on that? No, I'm still going to, I'm still going to go rotation. I'm going to say Robbie Ray pulled their numbers up enough. All right. Well, that's exactly what I was hoping would happen. It's tied. Oh, <laughs> they're, both 13th, they're both 13th in their respective ERA ranks. Okay. So that's surprising. That's, that's my way of saying that it's not really, you don't have to lean one way or another in terms of, Oh my gosh, like they need to add more to the bullpen or they, they absolutely need a starter. I will say though, I still fall on the camp of adding a starter is the best case scenario because it provides a trickle down effect where if you add somebody, if you add a Jose Barrios and he's awesome, and then you can shuffle somebody into the rotation or into the pen who was in the rotation that just works to your advantage because it's, you know, it creates depth all the way around. Whereas if you continue to directly add to the bullpen, you're not really doing that. Adam Simber is not going to be starting any games. So um, yeah, I, I think adding a starter, is probably their the best thing they can do whether that's a guy like Barrios or Kyle Gibson in Texas like those are some of the maybe pricier guys but that's that's who I think they should be aiming for if they want to be serious about you know pulling up the bootstraps in the AL East because it's a very tough division uh, at the same time I think adding a bat is not the worst thing just specifically adding a lefty bat would be good the only lefties in their lineup are Biggio and Reese McGuire they had another one in Rowdy Telez, but I mean, obviously he wasn't hitting that well anyways. And they, they dealt him in a move that I think makes sense, but just adding another lefty bat to kind of create some protection and ideally have it be a guy that's, you know, got some positional flexibility, which is sort of the, the buzzwords these days. I think that would be really good for them. Is there another team kind of in this mix? So kind of what we have here is You've got the White Sox, Houston, and Boston, the new divisions. And then you have the Rays and Oakland, who are in the wild card spots right now. And this clump of Seattle, Cleveland, Toronto, the Yankees, and the Angels, kind of these five teams that are all like three, four, five games back. Beyond the Jays, I think we all see that okay, they've got this great run differential. If they add a couple of arms, whatever, then they could go on a run. Is there another one of those teams, maybe Seattle, like they've been weirdly okay? The Angels, you don't think, can come back. And then there's the Yankees and Cleveland are do you see any of those teams maybe making a huge splash and, and then being able to go on such a run? So I'll borrow what you guys said earlier about the Red Sox being frauds. And I think that applies to Seattle for sure, because I mean, they're a team that their run differential is brutal. They've won a lot of really, it's so bad. They've won a lot of really close games and it's kind of hard to know how like they swept. And I remember I, again, I covered just one, a one-off Seattle game earlier this season, but, there was a series where I believe they swept the Rays in a four game set at West. And I think three of those were walk-offs and the other one was like a one run game that finished in nine innings or something. Um, But it it was just like, that's not how that's supposed to work. If you look at like somebody's Pythagorean uh, record, like 
they're probably, I don't have it off the top of my head, but like, I'm sure it's not as good as their current record. So I would not have, I would not pick them. Um, I think I, I think I would probably just say the Yankees. I mean, I guess, I guess Cleveland, I would have to look to see how many more times do they play the Royals and Tigers and twins to sort of beef up some, some wins there. So that could, that could certainly work in their favor, but the Yankees, I don't know, maybe it's just a matter of, of bias of having seen them do it. Yeah that makes me think that they could be that team to, to also go for a push, but yeah. So I'll, I'll probably stick with Toronto and, and the Yankees. I, I have a totally random question that just popped into my head, but you've obviously been doing like a lot of zoom calls with, you know, players and managers and stuff this year. Yeah. Who's been the best. What's the best zoom call most from an entertainment perspective, like which manager or player is the most entertaining on zoom. Okay. For sure. The most entertaining is Brett Phillips on the Uh, right okay now i wasn't on so if you guys remember you probably saw us on twitter when he entered the game as a pitcher oh yeah so you know and he's he's in the bullpen (laughs) and he's doing his very serious but like very elaborate warm-up routine and the pitching coach is just standing there and all the credit to that guy whoever he is that that he's just like stone-faced watching brett phillips (laughs) just make an absolute ass of himself but he is really like, so I wasn't on, I wasn't on the zoom call afterwards where he was kind of describing that experience. I wish I had been, but he's just a guy that like loves baseball so much and is just seems so genuine um, with his, with his energy when he's talking about the game. So he's number one for me. And then I guess from a manager's perspective, there's, there's honestly a lot of good managers to talk to a lot of guys that are just, I mean, they're, they've been around the game for a long time and are, are very thoughtful. I don't know as much from a, maybe an entertainment standpoint, yeah. but I think Alex Cora is among my favorites to talk to because he's very patient. He gets a lot of questions from Boston media and he's very patient with and thoughtful with his answers and often has like a very good quote that comes from it. You don't get that from every manager. Not every manager is going to give you a really profound, thoughtful quote, but he's, he's usually good about that. Kevin Cash is, is pretty good about that too. Last one for me, I don't know if you have another one, Coombsy, but I mean, the MVP race in the American League, it's probably going to go to Otani if he stays healthy. We kind of can assume Vladdy's likely going to be the runner up. But if you were filling out a ballot and you went whatever order it was, Otani, Vladdy, who would be third? Who's been the third most valuable player in the American League this season? Yeah, geez, that's a really tough one. Um it's hard because we've been spending so much energy just focusing on the two horse race, yeah. right? And how good Vlad Notani is. And I'm just, I'm curious if there's someone out there who's maybe just slipped our mind or hasn't been getting the attention from the public that maybe they deserve. Yeah. You know, that's hard to say. I think, I think one of the Boston guys would, yeah. would get consideration like mm-hmm. a Xander Bogarts probably. It, it would have to be someone like JD Martinez probably doesn't make sense because he's a DH like his offensive numbers are great, but he doesn't yeah. obviously bring value with the glove. So Xander Bogarts is maybe my pick. Joey Gallo walks like four times a game and that's kind of impressive. So like, but unfortunately voters, I mean, again, if it was me, I wouldn't take this into consideration very much. Some voters do look at, does the team have any sort of chance at the playoffs? I think yeah. that's very unfair because this is an individual award. So as far as I'm concerned, like even if your team sucks, if you're Mike Trout and you're simply the best player, then I don't think that that should count against you. So I think I'll say Xander Bogarts with an honorable mention to Joey Gallo because of his on-base numbers are just stupid. And he, you know, mashes the ball. So yeah, Joey Gallo would be, would be like the perfect addition for the Blue Jays to make, I think, at the deadline. Like everybody wants the pitchers, but I'm just like, 
keep deepening that lineup and just make it so insane. The pitchers are completely around. That's the fun move, right? To get 100%. like a just monster lefty bat like Gallo. I think that's what a lot of fans are kind of itching for right now is like, you know what? Our bullpen, our pitching might not be the best, but let's just beat teams 10 to nine every night. Yes. 2015. This is, so. this is where it's hard though with a trade deadline versus free agency is that in free agency, you can say, all right, how much money does the team want to spend? Or could we rationally think the team might be willing to spend here? We have no idea what these negotiations are like in terms of who would the Rangers want for Gallo? You know, how many, yeah. how many of the Blue Jays top 10 prospects would they be asking for? And so that becomes a really difficult equation to even try to wrap your head around because you know, we're not in the room for that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Jordan, we really appreciate your time today, man. This was a ton of fun. Enjoy the second half of the season and uh, maybe we'll have you on again before the playoffs. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Really fun. All right, there you go. Jordan Horbin from MLB.com. That is a guy who uh, knows his shit, as they say, Coombsy. You could throw yes. kind of anything at him, and he just, he'd rattle for like whatever 60 to 90 seconds and give you some good info. That was a lot of fun. All kinds of good information. There. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really insightful. We basically just took an entire trip around the American League, and we learned a lot about the other teams that we may or may not have been paying attention to this year. And that's a good way to kind of start the second half of the season. We know who the enemies are now. We know what makes them all tick. We know how they got here. And now we know that the Jays got to find a way to pass them all and probably not win the American League East, but potentially grab a wild card spot there. Uh, they got three against the Rangers coming up. So if you want to start your second half with a winning streak, they're going to have a pretty good chance to do it because the Texas Rangers are, they're, they're not that they're good. Bad. Yeah, pretty they're bad. bad. Um, we even bad. the Jays haven't played them in a while now. Um, like the second or third series of the year, I think. Yeah, but the Rangers are 35 and 55 in the year. Um, the only team that has less than 35 wins in the American League is Baltimore. And the only there's only two teams in the NL who even have less than that, and it's Pittsburgh and Arizona. Like, they are not good. No, um, this team, they only have... 1.5 good hitters. You know, we already talked about Gallo. We all know Gallo's a big hitter. He's great. Yeah. Um, and then Adolis Garcia is the only other guy on the team with the OPS above 800. And then Kyle Gibson's been a fantastic ace for the team, but all the rest of the pitchers are bad. Ian Kennedy's a pretty good closer, but you got yeah. three guys in this team who are worth paying attention to. Best case scenario is the Jays take three in Buffalo from Texas and then Ian Kennedy and Joey Gallo are both Blue Jays by the end of it, right? Yeah, like, do do Gallo, Gibson, and Candy. Get all three, yeah. fix all your problems. Just, just, just give just her. sell everyone. Who, who, just who cares? send a quick text out to them and be like, hey, I know you think you're coming for three games. Maybe pack a bag for a little bit longer. Let's get three wins. Let's inch a little bit closer in the wild card. And let's round out this roster. Wait, um, obviously, you probably gonna. should be making that trade before the series, though. Yeah, you probably don't you want really, them to. Yeah, you, yeah, don't want you really to. don't want to be pitching to Joey Gallo when he can be hitting for you against that team. Fair Think enough. about how easy this series would be if they didn't have Gibson, Kennedy, or Joey Gallo. It would be a joke. So, <laughs> Shapiro Atkins need to get on the phone tonight and get this done before Friday. That's the key. Yeah, there is uh, not a lot of wiggle room for the Toronto Blue Jays as we head down the stretch here and into the second half of the season. Uh, they round out the month of July with three against Texas, like we said, and then three against Boston, three against the Mets, and four against Boston again. So after this three against Texas, things get pretty difficult for the next 10, 11 games or 10 games there. It's pretty important here to rack up the wins against Texas. You absolutely cannot let a game slip here. No, absolutely not. Like the Jays, you know, they, they did a good job before the all-star break of 
beating the bad teams. You know, they had a bunch of games against Baltimore. They've won most of them. You mean, I mean, the Seattle series was unfortunate. They lost two of three. That wasn't ideal, but whatever. They ultimately capitalized on their soft schedule and they have to keep doing that because, you know, they don't play Tampa Bay until September. And, you know, that's the team they have to catch. So they're not going to have a chance to get those, you know, in hockey, you'd call it a four point game and this, I guess you call it a two win game, but so what they have to do to compensate is just beat the shit out of these bad teams because they have a bunch of games coming up against Boston, a bunch of games coming up against teams that aren't bad. So you got to win these ones. It is uh, officially out of town scoreboard <laughs> season as well. So tonight, July 15th, the Yankees and Red Sox are going to begin a series as well. Um, that's always a tough one from an out of town scoreboard perspective, because one of the two teams you're trying to catch or, or you're in the race with, is going to pick up a win, uh, but the Rays are taking on the Braves. So hopefully Atlanta and uh, Alex Anthopoulos's group out there can do Toronto a couple of favors. Maybe Alex Anthopoulos can help the Jays make the playoffs just like he did back in 2015 for the Braves to uh, take care of the Rays here. Uh, but this was a fun episode of the pod. Shout out to Twig and Berries again. Shout out to Jordan Horobin from MLB.com. Coomsey, we will speak after the series against Texas. Yes, we will. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.